ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلوات الله وسلامه عليه اما بعد يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله واحسن الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار ثم اما بعد يا عباد الله Alhamdulillah ala ni'matil islami wa sunnah. All praise and thanks belong to Allah for guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the sunnah. We continue going over the tremendous book by the Fadilat al-Shaykh al-Allama Imam bin Baz rahimahullah ta'ala the book which is entitled durus al-muhimma li'amat al-ummah important lessons for the general masses of the ummah we are still dealing with the section which is going over the categories of shirk this is something that we all have to and we all should be paying great attention to because the affair of shirk is a affair that is tremendously dangerous it is an affair that is destructive to the epitome of destruction so it is a must that we are on our caution and guard as relates to it so that we stay away from it and don't fall into it the one who was heedless from such is one who will thus expose themselves to potentially falling into it when there's something of danger then you will find that individuals very cautious as relates to it they're not heedless so for an example this is just an example if an individual was driving on a mountainous road of which had no guardrails they will drive very cautiously they will drive very cautiously you will not find an individual on such a road speeding you will not find an individual on such a road driving recklessly you will not find an individual on such a road texting and driving right you will not find an individual on such a road driving in a way in which will compromise their safety or allow themselves to be distracted while driving but rather you will find this individual driving being very cautious being very alert paying attention why because the potential danger of falling off of the mountain 
is there. And because they understand the reality of that danger, then they will be on constant caution as relates to it. So when we compare the danger of falling into shirk as compared to the danger of falling off of the mountain, then we see that there is no comparison between the two. We see there is no comparison between the two. So just like we will be cautious as relates to driving on this mountainous road, then we should exhibit even more caution as relates to the affair of shirk. Naam? Inshallah ta'ala, I hope, I hope that makes sense. Naam? Like, so in this, and in being cautious from falling into shirk, we continue with our discussion about being cautious from falling into shirk after knowing the dangers of shirk and how shirk is a sin that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he does not forgive. The Fadil to Shaykh Shaykh Abdul Razak bin Shaykh Abdul Muhsin al Badr Ta'ala he mentions Kullu Dalika al Khawf min Shirk. He said, all of this, that it necessitates fear from shirk. All of this, it necessitates that one he is scared or that one she is scared from shirk. Naam. Likewise, and I interject here to say, likewise, it is of extreme importance that we instill this fear from shirk and falling into it into our children, so that they are scared of shirk, so that they are not haphazard and live their lives haphazardly as relates to the affair of shirk, but to educate them on the dangers of shirk and how shirk is destructive and how shirk will land an individual in hell forever and how they must strive to stay away from shirk and they must strive very diligently in staying away from all forms and all types of shirk. This is something that is of extreme importance and this is what lends to the proper upbringing of our children. Naam. Ala kulli hal. The Shaykh goes on to say, وَالْحَذَرْ مِنَ الْوُقُوعِ فِيهِ and to have caution from falling into it. So have caution from falling into it, meaning into the shirk. And that we constantly, constantly, perpetually continue to seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To retreat to Allah, to seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And yaqiya abdahu. So that he protects his slave from falling into the shirk. So that we constantly beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to safeguard us from falling into shirk. To safeguard us from committing acts of shirk. وَإِن يُعِيذَهُ مِنَ الشِّرْكِ وَالْكُفَرِ وَالنِّفَاقُ and that we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from shirk, from polytheism in all its shapes, types, and forms. That we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from kufr, from disbelief. Naam. And let us stop here for a quick second and reflect upon this. Let us reflect upon this as it relates to ourselves. Let us reflect upon this as it relates to our children. To 
seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from kufr, from disbelief. And that means all that is attached and related to disbelief. Naam. All that is attached and related to disbelief. So not only do we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from kufr, from having uh, uh, yani, heretical beliefs, naam, from not believing properly and from falling into disbelief as relates to our beliefs and the like, but also all that is connected to it. So the lifestyle of the disbelievers should be something that we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as relates to it. Why? Because the lifestyle of the disbelievers, it leads to kufr. Naam. What is the motivating factor? What is the motivator of their lifestyle? Is kufr. Is their disbelief. That's what. why they live the way they live. Because they don't believe. Naam. So the kufar, they drink alcohol. And they take intoxicants. Naam. Why? Because they don't believe. You see? They don't believe. So taking intoxicants, taking alcohol, doing drugs, that fits with their lifestyle. Because their lifestyle is based upon kufr. It's based upon disbelief. The kufar, they are indecent. They fornicate. They commit acts of adultery. They commit acts of homosexuality. They commit acts of lesbianism. So on and so forth. Why? What is the motivating factor for them in that? Because it fits their lifestyle. It fits their lifestyle because their lifestyle is based upon disbelief. Naam. So it doesn't contradict their disbelieving lifestyle. It fits into it. So they do it. Naam. Likewise, what is reflected in popular culture, as they say, what is reflected in the media, these are all reflections of what? Of the Kafir lifestyle. These are all reflections and illustrations of the Kafir lifestyle. So those things that are seemingly alluring inside of these things are things that we have to caution ourselves from because you have to remember our enemy, the Shaytan, he's not going to come to us and say, hang this cross upon your neck. He's not going to come to us and say, put this yarmulke on your head and put this yani, this star uh, on you, this six-pointed star, put it on you, right? Uh, he's not going to come and say that. He's not going to come and say, yani, put this idol in your car, on your dashboard. Or something like this, you see? No, it's going to come to you very subtly. It's going to come to you very subtly. Until you start liking and admiring the kuffar. Until you start looking up to them. Until you start trying to emulate them and to imitate them. And so on and so forth. Do you think the outward imitation stops just with an outward imitation? No, but it leads to an inward Im imitation. So now you start... Picking up some of their traits, some of their characteristics, some of their habits, some of their mores, some of their manners, and so on and so forth. Naam. And these things are all linked. These things are all linked to what? To belief. These things are all linked to a belief. I'll give an example. I'll give an example. There have been Muslims who have been tried. There have been Muslims who have been tricked and duped by the shaitan into becoming lackadaisical as relates to covering. Right? There have been Muslims who have been duped by the shaitan and thus they become lackadaisical as relates to hijab. Okay? To the point that they themselves don't encourage the hijab because in their minds it's a choice. If you choose to wear it, whatever. If you choose not to, it's okay. Do you see? You see the problem there? It started with them being lackadaisical as relates to the hijab. And it led to them having the belief that hijab is a choice. It's okay if you wear it. It's okay if you don't wear it. You see? But is that in actuality the reality of that situation? No, it is not. Is it okay not to wear the hijab? No, it is not. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded with it. Allah azza wa jal commanded with it. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam commanded with it. So, for the believer, is there an option as relates to these things? No, you wear the hijab in obedience unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, not wearing it is a sin, is a crime, is a transgression. This is the proper belief, is wajib to wear it. Not to wear it is a sin. But these individuals, they are imitating of the kuffar and not dressing properly, eventually led them 
and corrupt it, their belief as relates to it, into them believing, it's a choice. You don't have to wear it if you don't want to wear it. Believing that it's okay if you don't wear it. Believing that you can be just as good of, of a Muslim even if you don't wear it. It's fine. Huh? You see how it links to the corruption of their hearts and so on and so forth. Also, that we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from nifaq, from hypocrisy. That we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from hypocrisy. And this is something that is a, a, a tremendous and really can be a class all to itself. Is how the Muslim, the believer, the mu'min, is supposed to be one who fears hypocrisy, fears of falling into hypocrisy. So much so, yani, as the ulama, they, they explain in the, in the salaf, yani, they make statements which bear the meaning, لا يأمن النفاق إلا المنافق أو إلا منافق that none feels safe from falling into hypocrisy, none feels safe from hypocrisy except for the hypocrite. The hypocrite is the only one who feels safe from hypocrisy, you see. But those who have aim, those who have knowledge, those who understand yani, how dangerous hypocrisy is and so on and so forth, then they fear it. They fear, they fear it for themselves. Right? Going back to the example, even more so than the one who fears falling off the side of a mountain. Because they know what is the danger in falling into hypocrisy. It's more dangerous than falling off the side of the mountain. Because if you fall off the side of the mountain and you're a believer, alhamdulillah, khalas. Yeah, you're going to die anyway. He was going to die anyway. Yeah. So if you fell, as if you died because your car went off the side of the mountain, but you were a believer, like, labat. You understand? At the end of it, labat. But if you live your life in safety and you're dying in your bed, in your sleep, but while being in a state of falling into nifaq, subhanAllah, the ultimate destruction. It's ultimate, you see? So, those who understand, they understand. And for this Imam Bukhari, he brings aside of his Sahih, the statement of Ibn Abi Mulaika, when he said, Adraktu thalathim min ashab nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kulluhum yukhafu al-nifaq ala nafsi. He said that I met 30 from the companions. He said, I met 30, 30 from the companions of the Prophet. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He said, and all of them feared hypocrisy for themselves. All of them feared falling into hypocrisy. Subhanallah. All of them feared from falling into hypocrisy. Because they understood its dangers. And when you understand the danger of something, then you will fear it. Naam, you will fear it. Hypocrisy is something that is tremendously destructive. But if an individual lives their lives unassumingly, not worrying about uh, nifaq, not contemplating and reflecting over, avoiding and staying away from it, not checking themselves to make sure that they are not bringing forth hypocritical type of behavior huh, and the like, then how are they going to be able to fall? Yeah, I need to, yeah, I need, uh, to escape falling into it. How are they going to be able to escape falling into it if they live their life in such a yeah, any, uh, 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 neglectful way, in such a neglectful manner, in such a forgetful uh, and, 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 uh, and, and neglectful way that they don't even worry about it. They don't even think about it. So if you don't think about it, you don't worry about it, how do you know you're not falling into it? How do you know you're not falling into it? How do you know you're not falling into hypocritical type of behavior? You, you understand? From the hypocritical type of behavior is a displaying of two faces. From a hip, from the hypocritical type of behavior, Nam is for is 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 showing two faces. Nam. This is what, of course, nifaq of the actions, but it's to show the two faces. So from that you have from the son of the likes of Bilal bin Sa'd, Rahimullah Ta'ala, he said, La takun waliya he said, don't be an avid worshipper 
extremely righteous individual don't be don't act like a wali to Allah in open you know in public the person is so pious and so humble and so and so and so huh he said don't act like a wali of Allah publicly and then be his enemy in secret don't act like a wali of Allah in publicly and then be his enemy in secret ma'am person having two faces acting so righteous and publicly but then in secret they're not acting that righteous now a person can also understand from this yani, the nifaq i'tiqadi the nifaq of the belief that a person acting like they are muslim publicly but in reality they are enemy to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they acting like they are avid worshiper of allah publicly but privately they are enemy of allah they are enemy to the deen. They are enemy to Islam. They try to undermine Islam. They try to underline yani, the spread of Islam. They try to underline the Muslims. So on and so forth. You see? This is what? All of this is from nifaq. All of this is from hypocrisy. I want us to reflect and to think about this. Really. I want us to reflect and to think about this. Because Abdullah bin Amr bin Aus, he mentioned... كان النفاق غريبا في الإيمان ويوشق أن يكون الإيمان غريبا في النفاق. He said that hypocrisy used to be something that was strange with iman. It was something strange. It was something strange amongst those who openly profess their belief. Now he said, but very soon there will come a time where iman will be strange amongst nifaq. There will become a time where iman, where faith, will be strange. Why? Because nifaq, hypocrisy, will be prevalent. Do you understand? There was a time when hypocrisy was strange. It was strange amongst yani, those who openly profess their belief. But there's going to come a time where iman will be strange. Why? Because nifaq, hypocrisy, will be prevalent. We understand the reality of these things and it is a must that we strive to stay away from it and that we check ourselves as relates to it and that we fear it. Now, I may have caution as relates to it. But also what dalal and from going astray and falling into misguidance, we have to seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He protects us from falling into uh, misguidance. Sheikh Abdul Razak he mentions Hafidhullah Ta'ala Wanvur Wanvur Fihad al Bab Bab al Khawf bin al Shirki. He said, and look, as relates to this topic, the topic of having fear from from shirk, having fear from falling into shirk. Look at look at what? Da'wah Ibrahim Al Khalil Imam al Hunafa. Look at his dua. What dua did Ibrahim he used to make? What dua did Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam he used to make? Ibrahim who was the khalil of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibrahim who was the imam of the hunafa. He was the imam of the people of Tawheed. He is the imam of the people of Tawheed. Look at the dua he used to make. As Allah Ta'ala informs us of inside the Quran. And protect me, yani, keep me away. Keep me and my offspring away from worshipping the idols. I want you to reflect on this. Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam, the one who is the Imam. Of the people of Tawheed. He's saying and keep me and my children away. And my offspring away from worshipping the idols. Naam. So now again this brings us back to reflection. It brings us back as parents. This brings us back now to proper parenting. Is that what? Is that we have to have a concern. Not just for ourselves. Because Ibrahim... And he starts with salam. He just didn't say, 
and keep me away. Keep me away from worshiping the idols. He didn't say that. He said, keep me and my offspring away from worshiping the idols. Now, I want you to understand this as well. He didn't restrict it to his children. He didn't restrict it to just me and my children, my awlad, me and my children. No. But he used, yani, baniya, which implies your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. You understand? Your offspring. So he said, keep me and my offspring. Not just my children, but my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, so on and so forth. Keep us away from worshiping the idols. Rabbi inna hunna. Oh my Lord, verily these idols. Because these idols have led many of the people astray. Have led many of the people astray into their destruction. You see? This is Ibrahim. He's, he's asking that Allah safeguard him and his offspring. Do you understand? Ibrahim Attaimi Rahimahullah Ta'ala Bahuwa min a'imma salaf And he was from the Imams of the Salaf Rahmatullah He mentions, he says وَمَنْ يَأْمَنُ الْبَلَاءِ بَعْدَ Ibrahim And who can be safe from, from calamity after Ibrahim That if Ibrahim Alayhi salatu is is is, 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 is is scared And asking for protection And Ibrahim is Ibrahim He has the status that he has he has the level that he has. He is the Imam, the Khalid of Allah, Subhanahu wa Taala. If he's scared, who after him could feel safe? If he is scared, who after him could feel safe? Now, this is the reality. Who can feel safe after Ibrahim, alayhi salatu wasalam? So it is a must. Yani going back to that good parenting is that what is that we have concern for ourselves and for our offspring, not just our children, but for our children, 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 children as well. Huh? From falling into shirk. So now a person, they may come and they may say, well, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, we, we have that concern. We want our children to be good. We want our offspring to be good. We want, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, generation after generation to be good and this and that, that and that is what we want. Well, you, huh? it's nice to want things, right? My question to you is, what are you doing? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, what, have, what are you doing in preparation for that? What are you doing to help towards that? That's my question to you. My question to myself, what are we doing to help towards that? What are we doing? First and foremost, first and foremost, what will help in that is what? Is making sure that our children are strong. Strong in their knowledge of the religion. Strong in their understanding of the deen. Practicing the religion. Strong in their adherence and practicing the religion. Now, and all that entails. Steady upon their prayers, praying voluntary prayers, getting up at night and praying, Qiyamulayn, fasting, the obligatory fast of Ramadan, fasting, voluntary fast outside of Ramadan, Nam, so on and so forth. That we raise them in such a way that they are strong Muslims. Because al la the one who is deprived of something cannot give it. So if we want our children to be able to teach our grandchildren and convey to our grandchildren to be a strong Muslim, then we got to make sure our children are strong Muslim. You understand? Because if they're strong, they will have the tools to teach their children how to be strong and then so on and so forth. But if we drop the ball with our children and they are weak, you know, we weak and then they weaker than us, then that's going to set up a situation that means that what? Then their children are going to be weaker than them, and then their children weaker than them, and until when? Until what? There's no more Islam in our in our offspring. Hmm? That's like if you take, yeah, I mean, some juice, right, and you water it down. So now, whatever, and the juice is already watery, okay, and then you water it down more. So that watering down more is like what? That's an example or similitude of our children. And then their children gets watered down more. And then their children gets watered down more. You keep adding water to it, it's going to come a point where you would you would never have known that originally it was juice. You would never know. It gets so watered down and now all traces of juice are gone. You see? 
So this is my question. What are we doing to help? Are we making sure that we're helping to establish schools for our children? Now, schools where our children can be educated properly where all that filth and nonsense of the Catholic school system could be taken out. We don't have to, have to expose our children to that nonsense. Are we making sure that we're helping in, in, in regard to these efforts? Now, and I'm not just talking, I'm not just talking about Yanni, uh, Yanni, uh, to, to 12th grade, but as Muslims, are we making sure that, 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 that are, we, are we working and putting forth efforts that, that, that will lend Bithilahi Ta'ala to us having Muslim universities here in the West? Huh? Muslim universities here in the West? So that all that nonsense is filtered out? Is filtered out? So that our children's aqid is protected? You know, it's not lost in the pursuit of them trying to study physics? It's not lost in the pursuit of them trying to study yani, uh, medicine? It's not challenged while they try to study medicine? You see? Are we helping towards those efforts? Now, a person that say, "Whoa, Subhanallah, that's a lot, man. That's that's you know, it's more than my, that's above my pay grade." Okay, okay, you know, we started there. But do you understand that those things are built upon things that are more important? I'm, I'm gonna say that again. Those things, like the university and having a university, Islamic university, where the children can learn how to be doctors and learn how to be engineers and so on and so forth, without the aqidah being challenged. That's built on stuff that is more important, more important, but much easier to accomplish. Oh, what am I talking about? Are we making sure that our children have strong centers of memorizing the Quran? Strong centers for memorizing the Quran, Naam, which, which doesn't have to be a center a center huh, that is separate by itself, but it can be a strong program within what the masjid. It can be a strong program within the masjid. It doesn't necessarily need its own building. If it had its own building, that's good, right? But it doesn't require, it doesn't require its own building. So are we a part of making sure that we have strong Quran programs where our children are memorizing the Quran, not just memorizing the Quran? But they're learning about the tafsir, they're learning about what they're memorizing, the meanings of what they're memorizing, and so on and so forth. Naam. Which means that what then also our children are learning Arabic so they understand the language of the Quran, the language of the Prophet. Do we have strong institutions that teach our children Quran and Arabic? Because all the other stuff, yani, it comes secondary to them learning and getting the tools. By way in which they will understand their religion. So of course with all of that. Because the, the purpose of, of memorizing the Quran. Is not just to memorize it. But it's to understand the deen. So therefore the understanding of the deen. And them, their Islamic studies. All of this is inclusive in that. All of this is inclusive in that. So they learn about their religion. Do we have institutions. That are geared and working towards this. Do we have efforts and projects. That are working toward this, because all of this will enter into and to link into us trying to help our grandchildren's grandchildren to be firm upon the deen. Hmm? And whoever from my lineage, whoever from my offspring, whoever from the Muslims who happen to live in the areas where we help to set these things up, they can benefit from it. Are, are, are we putting forth those type of efforts? This is a question and a challenge. That I, I present to everybody, myself first and foremost. The Sheikh goes on to say, "إذا كان إبراهيم عليه الصلاة والسلام خاف على نفسه وسأل ربه عز وجل فقال وجنبني وبني أن نعبد الأصنام أي اجعلني يا ربي في جانب بعيد عن الأصنام وعن عبادتها يطلب من الله أن يحميه وأن يقيه وأن يسلمه وهو الذي كسر الأصنام بيده عليه الصلاة والسلام فكيف يأمن غيره على نفسه ولا يخاف 
The Sheikh he mentions, he says, Subhanallah. He says, Listen, listen to this, Subhanallah. He says, If Ibrahim alayhi salatu was scared for himself, and he asked his Lord, Azza wa Jal, where he said, Oh, oh Allah, keep me and my offspring away from worshipping the Osnab, meaning, make me, O oh my Lord, far, far away. Far, far away from the idols and far, far away from worshipping them. Far, far away from the idols and far, far away from worshipping them. So he sought, he, 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 he was seeking, he sought from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect him and to keep him away from, to protect him and to safeguard him and to, yani, uh, to protect him and to safeguard him from worshipping the idols. And from and 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 and, and from yani, to keep him and save him from the idols. Mind you, now Ibrahim alayhi salam, he is the one who broke the idols with his hand. He is the one who broke the idols with his hand. You understand? At great peril to himself, because his people were idol worshiping people. He went and broke their idols with his hand, which subjected him to his people trying to kill him. Okay, so he broke the idols with his hand through great, yani, yani, knowing that he was going to face great perils, going to be great repercussion from this. But this was to the extent of his tawheed, that he broke them idols with his hand. He, he put his trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, broke it with his hand, despite the consequences. But yet he was still scared, and yet he still asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect him. So how can other than him feel safe for himself and not be scared? The Shaykh Allah Ta'ala he goes on to say, Woman Dua Nabiina Alayhi Salatu Wasalam. And also from the dua of our Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who is the best of the NBA and Rusul. He is the best of the prophets and the messengers. He is the leader of the children of Adam. He is the best human being ever. The best human being ever. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he used to every day every day naam yani fi subah wal masa every morning and every evening wa huwa thabitun fi kitab al adab al mufrad and it is confirmed it comes with yani confirmed inside of the book adab al mufrad wa ghayr and 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 yani wa fi ghayri and in other than adab al-mufrad annahu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kan yaqul thalatha marrat that he used to say three times idha asbaha in the morning time naam wa thalatha marrat idha amsa and 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 three times in the evening so the prophet sallallahu he would say three times in the morning three times in the evening how often Daily, daily. This was from his du'a. Now, before we get into that, is another is a reminder. Another reminder that from good parenting is that we make sure, and also being good to ourselves first and foremost, is that we make sure we learning these supplications. These supplications are are, are, are important. You understand? Shaitan will come and he'll try to busy you with all this other stuff. Look at WhatsApp. Look at any Twitter. Look at any Facebook. Look at Instagram. Look at look at look at look at whatever. You understand? And, and distract us from things that are really important. But then a person have yani, a book of du'a, yani, sitting on the side of the bed or on, on the bookshelf or whatever, or they have the app on their phone, they never open it, never look at it, whatever. Those stuff, not that important. All this other stuff is hot now, you know. There's some fitness going on. And this one refuting that one. This one is rebutting and he's saying this. And, you know, I, I got to see this. <laughs> Shaitan be really getting over on us. You understand? You need to open up that book of Adi'iyah and memorize and, and utilize. Memorize and utilize. You understand? Memorize and utilize. Memorize it and utilize it the way that the Prophet Sallallahu taught us how to utilize it. We have to be serious about our Adi'iyah, about remembering Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Because you know why? The remembrance of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is from the greatest tools that will keep a person safe. When calamity strikes, 
it is the remembrance of Allah is from the greatest tools of keeping a person safe when calamity strikes and from the greatest tools of pushing and repelling a calamity away from the believer. So from the best ways to stay away from the calamity and to avoid it and to escape it is the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's from the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then when a calamity do strike, from the greatest ways of being fortified, steadfast, firm upon your religion, when the calamity is striking, is by way of what? Is by way of dua. Is by way of supplicating unto Allah. Is by the remembrance, by the dhikr, by way of the dhikr huh? of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when that calamity strikes, from the greatest means of getting out of that calamity and escaping that calamity and getting that calamity removed is what? Naam. The dua. Supplicating unto Allah. Dhikr. The remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is from the greatest means to deal with a, to deal with a calamity before it strikes, when it strikes, and after it leaves. Dhikr. Dua. From your greatest tools. From your greatest Yani weapons inside your arsenal is dua and dhikr. So when one understands this, this is from the greatest tools, from the greatest weapons. Now, how important is it? <laughs> how important is it? And how important in reality was that tweet or that post on Facebook or that whatever or Instagram or that or that or that or that yani whatever. You understand? Weighted two. Which one's more important? You see, the Prophet sallallahu he used to say three times in the morning and three times in the evening, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika minal kufri wal faqar. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min a'adhab al qabr. La ilaha illa ant. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to say three times in the morning and three times in the evening, O oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from kufr, from disbelief and from poverty. I seek refuge in you from disbelief and from poverty. O oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from the punishment of the grave. You see that? The Prophet said, me to seek refuge in Allah from kufr, from disbelief, and nifaq is disbelief, right? So, he seek refuge from kufr, from disbelief and all the shapes and forms, from poverty, right? Uh, us be going through, you know, people going through stuff up and down with the economics. What's 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 a way of getting out of that? Getting some prosperity on the economic front. This dua, seeking refuge in Allah from poverty, now, and seeking refuge in Allah from the punishment of the grave. We're gonna be gonna go to the grave one day. We ain't gonna come back. Because it's going to be our time to get put in it. You understand? The person will be subject to either punishment or bliss inside the grave. What is the way that we safeguard and strive to escape from the punishment of the grave? Is by every single day of our life, in the morning three times and in the evening three times, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with this dua, that he safeguards us from the punishment of the grave. You understand? La ilaha illa ant. None has the right to be worshipped in truth except for you. Now, this hadith is authentic. This hadith is authentic. So if we really, if we really care about ourselves, then we will make sure that we are upon this dua, that we're going to learn this dua, so that we can uh, 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 beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by way of it. And if we truly if we truly love ourselves and love those who we love, then we will make sure that those who we love they also know about this dua and they are begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with this dua. Also and it's also confirmed that the Prophet وسلم, he used to say inside of his supplications Allahumma laka aslamtu 
that O oh Allah, unto you have I submitted, unto you I have submitted myself as a Muslim. Wabika amantu, and I believe in you. Wa alika tawakaltu, wa ilika anabatu, wabika khasamtu, and I have relied and put my trust upon you. I have turned to you in um I've turned to you in repentance. I have turned unto you in repentance. And with your evidences and your proofs, I stand against all of the opponents. Now that with you, meaning with your evidence and your proof, I stand against all the opponents. Now and debate them, yeah, and stand against all the opponents and stand against all the opposition with your evidence and with your proof. Allahumma inni a'udhu bi'izzatik. O Allah, I seek refuge in you and with, in, 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 yani, by way of your might and with your might. La ilaha illa ant, antu dhillani, ant al-hayu alladhi la yamut, wal-jinn wal-ins yamutun. That, O oh Allah, with your might, yani, by way of your might, I seek refuge in you. None has the right to be versed in the truth except for you. That you safeguard me from going astray. That you safeguard me, you save me from going astray. Subhanallah. This is Nabiullah. This is the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, making this dua. Asking Allah to safeguard him from going astray. That's the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What about us? What about us? What about us? Are we making this dua? Are we saying words similar to it in meaning? Are we begging Allah that He guides us and He safeguards us from going astray? Are we constantly begging Allah that He safeguards us and save us from going astray? SubhanAllah. I want us to really to reflect upon the likes of these things because there's a lot of improvements that each of us has to make inside of his or her own life. Now, oh Allah, you are the one who was the ever-living, the one who does not die, but the jinn and the human beings, they all die. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a hadith yani akhrajahu al-Bukhari ومسلم حديث متفق عليه. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he also used to make dua a lot in a hadith that is authentic. وحسنه للبادي graded as good by Imam al-Badi. From the hadith of Anas bin Malik رضي الله تعالى عنه فيما رواه Imam Al-Turmadi, Ibn Majah, Imam Ibn Majah, Imam Ahmad, and that which, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, that which Imam Ahmad and Imam Al-Turmadi and Imam Ibn Majah, they bring inside of their collections of hadith, that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he used to say, وَأَكْثَرُ وَكَانَ أَكْثَرُ دُعَاءُ And the most of his dua. The most his of, of his dua, what he used to say, the most. Now, Ya muqallib al-qulub, thabbit qalbi ala deenik. O changer of hearts, keep my heart firm upon your deen. Keep my heart firm upon your religion. Now, This is the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he used to make this dua to keep his heart firm. How much do we care about our hearts? How concerned are we for our hearts? Are we asking Allah to keep our hearts firm? Or do we feel we got it like that? This is what I want you to ask yourself. Also inside the Quran, Allah teaches us a dua as it can be found in Surah Ali Imran. 
and it's verse number eight. Allah Jalli teaches us a du'a. Do we know this du'a? Are we saying this du'a? Again, these are questions I want us to ask ourselves. Allah Ta'ala teaches us a du'a. رَبَّنَا لَا تُزِغْ قُرُوبَنَا بَعْدَ إِذْ هَدَيْتَنَا وَهَبْ لَنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ رَحْمَةً That, O oh, our Lord, do not send our hearts astray after they have been guided. Do not send our hearts astray after you have guided them. And give us directly from you mercy. And give us directly from you mercy. I just want you to think about the general and apparent meaning of that ayah. And if you were to beg Allah with it and he answered it for you and granted you an answer, yani he granted you what you asked for in that dua, how good would your life be? Don't send our hearts astray after they have been guided and give us directly from your mercy. How good would your life be? How excellent would your life be? Naam, who for amongst us accept that they want a life like that? Who for amongst us accept that they want for their loved ones a life like that? So from the greatest ways and means of getting that type of life is by asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is by begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is by constantly begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Ya ibad Allah these are things that we have to contemplate on to reflect over and to really get our lives in order bihmilahi ta'ala then the shaykh goes on to speak about from another angle about the dangers of shirk and that it is necessary that we are scared of it and bring some more examples to show why we should be scared of shirk. But inshallah ta'ala, we will deal with that in the upcoming class. Bihnilahi ta'ala, fa naktafi bihad al-qadar. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa jazakumullahu. خيرًا